Well, good morning, church. How are we today? All right. Is there a greater way to celebrate the Lord's Day than to baptize people? Isn't that a great opportunity for us? What an awesome thing. I, I, I invite you, if you've never taken that step of obedience, uh, we'd love for you to do that. Like, this is not about salvation, as we've mentioned before, but it is about obedience. God has called us to make a public profession of our faith in Jesus, and we'll make a day for you. We have this. This is ours. Praise the Lord. If you ever want to get baptized in a horse trough and know what that's like, <laughs> we'd love to help walk you through that. Uh, but what an awesome thing it is when we get to hear of what Christ has done in the lives of believers. Well, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Ben Hertz, and I'm the pastor here. And we get to do what we do, and that is open up God's word. And let me do, ask you to do that now to Acts chapter 18. You know, for those who claim to be Christians, there is a call, obviously, to follow Christ. And in the scriptures, we see that Christians are called disciples. A disciple is one who follows another. A disciple is a person who has a master and seeks to mirror his life after his master. This is what we are called to do as believers in Christ. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. And so therefore we are called to glorify God with our bodies. When we repent of our sin and turn to Christ, this is a confession of our, our, our new allegiance to God alone. And it changes the trajectory of our lives. And this morning in Acts, we're going to be introduced to a new disciple. Uh, this is the first time that we've seen Apollos thus far in Acts. And in our text, we see him proclaiming Jesus. Now, he is not an advanced believer in his understanding of Jesus. He has limited understanding. And yet, we get the opportunity to see him grow as a disciple. There are characteristics. There are things that are true of a person who calls himself a disciple of Jesus Christ. How many of you this morning want to be a quality disciple? Hopefully all of us would raise our hands saying that we want to be more like Jesus. And if that's the case, then we would do wise to pay attention this morning and look at the life of Apollos and see how those around him came to support him and grow him up. So join me now, Acts 18, I'm going to read starting in verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Let's pray. Father, once again, we just declare your glory and your saving power and the testimonies of those three who, who shared this morning. Father, you have been gracious and merciful to your people, and we are undeserving of your grace and yet overwhelmed that you would save people such as us. 
And Father, with that salvation comes a calling to live a certain way, to, to, to be a quality disciple, one who looks like their master. And Father, we pray that you would do your work this morning in our lives, that you would open our eyes, that we might behold wonderful things out of your law, Lord, that we would take a serious look at our own lives and evaluate, are these reflections of who I am? Lord, I pray that you would exhort us where we need to be exhorted, encourage us where we need to be encouraged, help us where we are falling short, Lord, and we thank you for your patience through it all. God, would you move now? We are desperate for your spirit to move, Lord. We need you to open our eyes to your word this morning, and so would you do that in Jesus' name, amen. So notice this morning that, that Paul is not in the scene. Uh, in verses 21 through 23, we see that he went and he visited some other churches that he had planted in order to encourage them, to check on them, to see how they've been doing. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, however, are here as we see. And once again, they are a source of encouragement to these other believers. And so let's consider now the call of a believer that we see here in Apollos. The first thing is this. The call of a quality disciple means to be a student of God's word. It means to be a student of God's word. Look at verse 24 again. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. So Apollos was a man from Alexandria. He was a, that was a, a highly intellectual community in Egypt. And notice it says he was an eloquent man. He was a, a very well-learned man, very smart, very intelligent. And he was one. This, this terminology here uh, not only speaks to how well-learned he is, but also how articulate he was in his ability to be able to, to teach. He was a smart dude. And it says he was a competent in the scriptures, this idea of competence uh, in the scriptures means he, he knew the Old Testament very well. To be raised in the ways of the Lord means he was raised under the instruction of the Old Testament and he was competent in the scriptures. Competency means mighty, it means powerful, strong. We actually get the word dynamite from this. So you, you, want, you have this understanding that Apollos is a very powerful thinker and speaker. Very intelligent man. He was a powerhouse, you could say, in, in, the, in, the techno in the terms of wisdom and communication. But what was it that he was competent in? It was the scriptures. There's nothing in the world that is worth our time more than giving it to the understanding of God's word. You know, with so much, so much knowledge at our disposal today, there are so many things that we can be wasting our time on. So many things that distract us from what really matters. And here's the thing. We give time to the things that matter most to us, don't we? The things that we value the most are the things that we're going to spend our time jumping into. Apollos didn't get to where he was because of luck. He didn't stumble into understanding the scriptures. He spent time, hour upon hour, dedicating his life to the study of scripture. 
he valued it so much that that is what he gave his life to. I mean, think about the idea of music. When we love music, we love certain artists, what happens when the artist's album comes out? We put it on repeat, don't we? We listen to it over and over again. And, you know, when we don't understand what, what, what are the words there, and so we look up the words, and then we memorize the words. I mean, isn't it amazing, like with music, how easy it is to recall, recall music? It's one of those things where we can say that I, I'm not a good memorizer. But then I could, point, uh, I could pull up a song right now, and that song... Like you would know the lyrics to. You guys ready to try this out? Here we go. I need you to help me because this is going to be really embarrassing if you don't fill it in here. Then I saw her face. Like you may not have heard that song for years. But it comes back to your memory. Why? You probably liked that song back when it came out. And so you dedicated time to that. We're, we, we memorize the things that we cherish the most. We give our energy to the things that we find most valuable. Do you remember like when Harry Potter was the big thing? And I, I just, I don't know why that sticks out to me. I mean, I've, I've never read Harry Potter. Um, but I, when the new books would come out, it was like a phenomenon. And obviously this was before COVID, but like you would go, it, you would, I remember watching video clips of, of the news and seeing like just hundreds of people lining up to get their Harry Potter book, dressed up as Harry Potter, and they would just spend hours and hours. But did they care? No, because they were getting the next Harry Potter book. And then what happened when they brought that Harry Potter book home? They spent hours and hours and hours reading it. Because they valued it. When, it, when the newest Netflix series comes out of a, a movie, a TV series that you like, what do we often end up doing? Like we can find ourselves giving hours and hours and hours to watching some of these things. What is Harry Potter going to do for us in eternity? What are these movie, TV series going to do for us in eternity? Nothing. Imagine if we spent half the time, maybe for some of us, that we give towards entertainment that takes us nowhere. What that would do for us if we spent half the time in the scriptures. Giving our lives over to the one thing that matters most. Now, the, the point of it is this. A quality disciple is a call. The call of a quality disciple is a call to be a student of God's word. This is not about, like, listen, I understand. I have a little bit more time than most of you, if not all of you, to devote to the study of God's word. It's, it's part of my job. So I get that. But scripture calls all of us. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best. To present yourself to God as one approved, the workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's not just for the pastor. That's for all of us here. So you may not have eight hours a day where you can study God's word, but you have some time. And I encourage you to evaluate. What, what are you giving your life to? What are the things that you value the most? What ticks most of your time outside of the necessity of work and sleep? What are you devoting your life to? We sacrifice for the things we love most. On vacation, we will sacrifice sleep so that we can get to our destination sooner. We will wake up at any time of the morning for things that we value the most. I can remember as a kid, like hard to get up for school. But if I had to get up at 4 a.m. because we're going to Cedar Point, guess what, hour, guess what time I was up at? Like I never went to sleep. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying here. 
The things that we value the most are the things that we put our energy to, the things that excite us. The call of a quality disciple is a call to be a student of God's word. Look at verse 25. Apollos had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptisms of John. Not only are we called to be a student of God's word, but we are called to be a proclaimer of Christ. We are called to be a proclaimer of Christ. It said he was instructed in the way of the Lord. And so in other words, that's just referring to he studied the Old Testament. He was fervent in spirit. Now this doesn't necessarily mean he was full of the spirit. Fervency means he was passionate. He loved the word of God. He loved teaching it. He was enthusiastic. Have you ever had a teacher who was passionate about maybe a subject that you didn't care about? Doesn't sometimes passion make all the difference in the world? Like if I came up here, it was just like, yeah, we should love God. Uh, we should be proclaimers of Christ, okay? Let's turn to the next thing. Like that would affect you, would it not? But when somebody is pretty jazzed up about something, we tend to listen better. We tend to, and we should be. I mean, what is more exciting than the fact that Jesus has rescued us from our sins? How can we not be enthusiastic about Jesus and what he has done for us for the sense that we were lost apart from him? And so fervent in spirit means he was passionate. He was enthusiastic about what he believed. And for Apollos, that was Jesus. There are a lot of people who are excited about a lot of things. I've, I think I've said this before, but, like, I'm always amazed at, like, all these useless facts that we learn on Jeopardy. And the fact that there are people who can answer just about every one of those questions. I'm like, that's amazing on one hand. But on the other hand, it's like, like I don't want to be known for knowing all the answers to Jeopardy. I want to be known for somebody who is a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. Like, what matters more than people to look at me and say, man, I see Jesus in you. I hear Jesus from you. I want to be somebody who is known for being a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. There are a million other things that we can be known for, but the one thing that matters is Jesus. In fact, what is, what is it that separates Christianity from every other religion? What is it that separates what we believe from any other church that we might walk into? From Muslims, from Mormons. It's this. What makes us distinct is that we proclaim that we are saved by Christ alone, through faith alone. It's through Jesus alone that we are saved. That's what separates us. Not by works. Not by doing good things. We're only saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. That is it. And so the question for us this morning is, what are you known for in light of what you say? Just as we spend the most time on the shows that we value, so we show what we value by the things that we talk about most. The disciples literally gave their lives to the job of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only am I talking about did they spend their days, like that was their occupation. They gave their lives as an occupation to proclaim Christ. They literally were martyred for the fact 
that they proclaimed Jesus as Lord. They were willing to give it all for him. They weren't afraid to speak the name of Jesus, even though it meant that it could cost them their lives. When you think talking about Jesus isn't popular in our culture today, consider what it must have been like for them. Consider what we've seen in Acts already. How many times have we seen the disciples imprisoned? How many times have we seen, seen them beaten, rejected? We saw Stephen stoned to death, being chased out of cities, having to go in the, in the dark of the night. The world certainly doesn't want to hear of Jesus today, but our lives aren't really in physical danger. We may be called a few words by people. We may have some things, somebody slander us on social media. But really, honestly, here in America, we are pretty safe. And yet, how often do we allow our fears, and I'm speaking of myself here, brothers and sisters. How often do we allow that to keep us from proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ? When we don't face half the dangers that the disciples faced, and yet they gave literally their lives for the sake of Jesus being glorified. So why? Why did they? Why were they so focused on proclaiming Jesus without any consideration of what it meant for their own lives? It's because they realized it was a matter of life and death. Not for them. It was a matter of life and death for those who were listening. He understood where the eternity of those he was speaking to lied apart from Christ. And I think that leads us to a place where we have to ask ourselves, are we burdened for the lost? Do we have, do we live with this understanding that everywhere we go, we could be potentially walking by people who are on their way to hell? Now we understand that it is not about us. We can't save. We plant, we water, but God is the only one who brings the growth. We saw this last week where uh, he told Paul, hey, don't leave here yet because I have people here. My people are still here. Like we proclaim God is the one who changes hearts. But like our proclamation must come. We are still called to share the good news of Jesus. And are we burdened enough to lay aside our fears in order for those who are around us to hear the good news of Jesus? I know it's easy for me to be so distracted with life. When I'm going to the grocery store, I have one goal. <laughs> I got to get this and then I got to get out of there. Put my head down and just go. Without any, without any realization of who's around me or what they might be going through. I, we watch, we're, we're in baseball season. Anybody, any other parents in, <laughs> in the midst of baseball season? We have three teams right now that we are going through and we're around people all the time. And sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm just here for me. I'm here for my kid and that's it. All sometimes without understanding there might be people around me who are hurting, who are in pain. And I would just be willing to have a conversation. It doesn't mean I have to say, hey, who are you? My name's Ben. Do you know Jesus? Like, I'm not talking about that. Sometimes I think the spirit moves in those ways. But it's just about, like, being willing to have a relationship, especially these parents that I'm going to see all summer long. How about you have a lot of kids in your neighborhood? 
I mean, I think it's important for us to have boundaries as parents. We got to protect our kids. We live in a crazy world, right? But like, that could be an opportunity for our kids who are in the neighborhood to be able to display Christ to them. If we aren't careful, we can go through life on a regular basis failing to look and pray for opportunities to proclaim Christ. Maybe the simplest thing for you can do. And I've been amazed at when I'm seriously praying and seeking the Lord. God, would you provide an opportunity? Would you just open up this door? Okay, I'm going to my kid's baseball game. Lord, would you allow some conversation just to begin, to build the relationships that maybe throughout. Because I'm not afraid to say, what's your profession? I'm a pastor. <laughs> that does one of two things. Like, oh, okay, well. Man, I got to go. Like, I, my kid's up. I got to gotta pay attention to this. Or, like, oh, well, cool. And then ask, ask questions about that. But we can't be afraid to proclaim the name of Jesus. Like, that's what we are called to do as a quality disciple of Jesus Christ. Be a proclaimer of Christ. Look at verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he, washed, when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So the call of a quality disciple is also this. It's a call to be in community. Perhaps you're thinking... Community again? <laughs> ben, you spent half of last week discussing that. That's because I believe so strongly, and we see it here, I believe so strongly in the necessity of community. It is so vital to our life in Christ that we are connected to other brothers and sisters who can encourage us in our walk with him. Notice how Priscilla and Aquila come alongside Apollos. It started with them listening to what he was teaching. And notice there was room for him to be more accurate. In verse 25 it says that he only knew the baptism of John. What does that mean exactly? I mean, think about what happened when John the Baptist lived on the earth. His baptism was a baptism of, of preparation. His message is, was the, the Messiah is coming. So therefore get ready, repent of your sin. As you remember, John was... Uh, it was prophesied that he would come before him and prepare the way for Jesus. And so this was just preparation for the Messiah to come. So therefore, the baptism of John was simply acknowledgement that I need a Savior and he's coming. Now the baptism of Jesus Christ, one that we experienced this morning, is the baptism of fulfillment. Those who are baptized in Christ are saying that they believe that he is the Messiah. That we needed. And he has come. And whoever believes that Jesus is Christ will receive the Holy Spirit. So in other words, they will be regenerated. They were born again. They were made a new creation. They received the down payment guaranteed that they will be saved. Now there's confusion here. Uh, it's not clear to me whether or not Apollos was saved before then. I, I think in a sense it's a little bit unessential because... At salvation, like first of all, we know Christ. That all that's completed is written down for us to read. So there's a little confusion there. But regardless, I, I love the fact that the community surrounds Apollos. 
And what I appreciate so much about Apollos here is that he is so teachable. Right? Being in community means that we need to be teachable. He was willing to receive not even correction as much as just like, hey, like there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just the baptism of John, Jesus. Yes, he did come and he sacrificed himself. And now we, through our repentance and faith in Christ, find salvation. And I also want to acknowledge how much I appreciate Aquila and Priscilla. He didn't write in the middle, they didn't write in the middle of teaching, say, hey, wait, wait, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Stop listening to him. What did they do? They pulled him aside. And they talked through him about, hey, there's more to it. They didn't come and interrupt, they didn't come and embarrass him publicly. Certainly I think there are things where if I start proclaiming or somebody else comes up here and starts proclaiming salvation through anything else but Jesus Christ, there's a need for public, like, denouncement of that. But this is not the case. And so often I think we fail to do this. I, I think we're, we, we can get so stuck in our ways and we look at certain things and we make a bigger deal out of it than it has to be. And sometimes we break fellowship over it instead of like coming alongside lovingly to encourage. Also, on the other hand, I don't think a lot of us, I, I, in the, if we, if you, if, if, all of us in the wrong circumstances when we are confronted with something that we fall short in can find ourselves being very defensive, right? We're honest. That's why it's so important for us to be teachable. Being teachable starts with the understanding that we don't have this thing nailed. We don't have it perfectly when it comes to understanding Scripture. None of us has it nailed. Community is a place where we can learn and grow from others. If you take my life, for instance, I, I do believe God has given me discernment in Scripture. I do believe that I have a good understanding of the main things about the Bible, but I don't have it all down. I'm not an expert. And so I, I am in a small group. I'm leading a small group. I'm involved in the men's group that meets on Thursdays. I'm not there because I'm the pastor and that's what the pastor should do. I'm there because I need other people around me. I need other brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage me in my journey because I have blind spots just like everybody else. And so I want to be teachable. I'm willing to hear. And I have, God has used, God will use anybody in your life too to teach you, right? I mean, we look through scripture, God even uses unbelievers to teach us, to humble us. And what a joy it is when I could be around other brothers and sisters in different walks of their life who can encourage me along the way. Here's the thing. Who gets the Holy Spirit at salvation? Who does? Not a true question. Everyone. Every believer at salvation receives the Holy Spirit. So imagine this. Think about this. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Some of you may be thinking, I have nothing to offer. I got nothing, man. Look at me. I'm simple. I'm a, maybe you're a new believer or I just didn't grow up in the church and so I don't know all the stories that you have. But guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. You ever been in a small group where like there's like those quiet people? Like they never say anything but then like there's these moments where they open their mouths and you're like, oh, 
to use that word <laughs> ten times over the, maybe the person who likes to speak all the time. The Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. And if that's the case, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. But not only was Apollos teachable in this, but he was also, community was also a place to be encouraged. Notice it says that the brothers encouraged Apollos with his desire to go to Achaia. Achaia was a, a place in Corinth. He's wanting to go there and, and proclaim and encourage the believers. And so what they did is they actually sent a letter to the disciples there to welcome Apollos in. They were, basically it was their affirmation. Hey, guys, listen to what this guy has to say. We fellowship with him. We see the Holy Spirit working in his life. He is accurately preaching the name of Jesus. You want to welcome this brother. What an encouragement for him to be able to have these brothers be willing to send this word out. And that leads us to ask the question of ourselves. Are we an encouragement to our brothers and sisters in Christ? And when you are blessed by someone, do you let them know? By a raise of hands. How many of you need encouragement from time to time? Raise your hand. How many of you, by raise of hands, have been encouraged by someone else in this room? Raise your hand. Encouraging. Now, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but I want you to think of this. How many of you have thanked that person for their encouragement? So not only do, do we need encouragement in our times of discouragement, sometimes we just need to encourage the encourager. Like how often are you like, uh, here's, here's why. Are there, are there times in your life where you just feel like, man, I ain't going anywhere. I, mean, what good, I just keep tripping over myself. You have a conversation with somebody, God brings scripture to mind, you share scripture, you pray over them, and they like, man, thank you. What a blessing. That was amazing. That helped me so much. It doesn't have to be that dramatic, but you know what I mean. Does that not encourage you? Do you not like humble yourself and realize that this is not about me? It's God's grace in my life. And if I'm an encouragement to somebody, this is God's grace in me. This is not about us. Those are opportunities not to boast in yourself, but just to thank the Lord that he is using you. And people see it, and it's God's grace to say, like, I am conforming you to the image of my son. We could use more of that in our culture today, couldn't we? More opportunities when you are encouraged by somebody to share that. Far often we are more, we are far too quick to give words of tearing people down. We like to point out the bad versus the good. We may even say it's good. We may even say, hey, this is for your good that I pointed out. But what happens if you have relationships and the only time you hear from them is for them to give you a critique? Does it, do those relationships go well? Now, if we spend our time encouraging and pouring out, and then, and then that allows us an opportunity at times where you can then withdraw, you can then bring a critique, you can then bring a concern. But if all we do is give critiques and all we do is criticize and all we do is say negative things, what does that say about us? What does the scripture say about how we should respond in everything? In everything give what? Give thanks. Can you be thankful and always critical at the same time? Is that possible? No. Are there times that we need to be giving critiques? Absolutely. But I think we could spend far more time being encouragers. Why do we need communities? Because we need encouragement. The 
call of a disciple is a call to be a student of God's word. It's a call to be a proclaimer of Christ. It's a call to be in community. And lastly, it's a call to be a disciple maker. Be a disciple maker. Verse 27, the second part of verse 27. Look at that with me. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. I love this because, I mean, I think of, I think of times where I have received criticism and critique over something. Uh, sometimes I can find myself just frozen. Like, here we go again. Another thing that Ben needs to work on. Not like mad that somebody said, but just kind of carrying the weight of that. And it can often freeze us in what we're doing. But what does Apollos do? He took what they had to say and he's like, oh, this is awesome. I can't go wait to share it. No, I didn't have it all together here. But because of the fellowship in community, now I get to go and I get to encourage other brothers and sisters. And so he goes and he encourages them. And what message... According to what we read here in verse 28, what message have we seen the disciples proclaiming throughout the book of Acts? What do you see there in the text? They always, we're seeing this similar phrase. He was showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. That's the message, right? What's the message of baptism? It's not like, hey, I'm awesome. The message is like, look what Jesus has done. What's our message? Our message is that Jesus is Lord. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is the one that we've been longing for. He was making the disciples. And the call of all of us is to be disciple makers. I want you to weigh that. Do you really believe that's true? Do you really believe that you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, are also called to be a disciple maker? Or is the disciple maker only for those super Christians? Is it only for the pastors, the small group leaders? Or do you believe that you are called to be a disciple maker? The Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all people. This is something that we are all called to do. Now, I'm sure for many of you, that's a frightening thought. And for some of you, your first thought may be, oh, I'm not doing anything. But let me help you understand what it means to be a disciple maker. Because sometimes I think what we hear is this. I got to know the Bible. I got to be able to, to teach perfectly, like through a book. Certainly, is that discipleship? Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there's formal avenues of discipleship. But being a disciple maker doesn't mean that you have to be this amazing teacher and you have to know everything about the Bible that there is to know. Do you realize that sometimes being a disciple maker is just being there to encourage other brothers and sisters of Christ in their walk with, with him? Have you ever, like we mentioned earlier, have you ever been that encouragement where somebody's struggling and and you share scripture with them and you point them back to what God's word says. Is that not being a disciple maker? Deci don't make disciple maker this big massive word that's unachievable. Some of us are going to be called to formal proclamation of God's word. Some of you are, are called to be formal teachers of God's word. But we can all be teachers in the sense that we're helping people connect their struggles with what God's word says about that. 
I, I remember, I don't know why, I just some, you know how you have memories that seem kind of random and they're like from years ago? I remember this girl was just struggling and all I did was like, are you okay? And like just that little expression, I remember she like hugged me afterwards because she was just going through something very hard. I didn't say anything after that. Didn't go into further questions. I just was there, a presence. Like we could argue whether or not that's disciple making, but I think that's showing them the comfort of Jesus Christ. That sometimes, you know, I think of, I always get fascinated with this when Lazarus, remember when he died? And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He wept. Isn't that fascinating? Like he knows, I'm about to raise this dude from, from, to life. And Jesus is crying over it? Like sometimes when we're just show the compassion of Jesus Christ. Like if we all understand too and we grasp the impact that the gospel has had on our lives, that we are unworthy of salvation, that we don't get it all together even after salvation. And when we can come along somebody else who's struggling with their sin and we can point them to say, hey, yes, we need to be pursuing holiness. We need to repent of our sin. But guess what? Christ forgives us because that's what the gospel is all about because we don't measure up. Is that not discipleship? So the question for us in that, do you live with that understanding? Do you remember, as we've talked about already, that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. If you have repented genuinely of your sin, genuinely placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And if he lives in you, then he's calling you to be a disciple maker. Which is why it's so vital that we are students of God's word. <laughs> because if we don't understand God's word, we're not going to be able to give God's word back to those who need it. Because when we're struggling, when our eyes are off the gospel, where our eyes, are, where our eyes are, are focused completely on our struggle, we need to have those that come alongside us who aren't speaking worldly wisdom, like, oh, it's going to get better. Because sometimes it doesn't, right? But when we can point people back to the scriptures and what they say of Jesus Christ and who he is, we can go back to the Psalms and we can remember that God is a gracious and merciful, loving God, slow to anger. We can find great comfort knowing that he's slow to anger to us. Brothers and sisters, being a quality disciple starts with being a student of God's word. Are you in his word? Being a quality disciple means being a disciple maker. Are you looking for opportunities to encourage others? It may not be formal. It may not be formal ever. It could just be coffee where you are regularly encouraging somebody. Being an encouragement is being a disciple maker. Let me leave you with a few things that you can chew on this week if you want to go a little bit deeper with this. First of all, let, let, let me invite you to turn to Matthew 16. This is a familiar, familiar verse to anybody who's been in church long for any length of time. Matthew 16, verse 24. I want to encourage you to memorize this if you do not have it memorized already. This is the call of a disciple. This is not a call of the disciples in the New Testament. This is a call for all of us. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, anyone, not anyone who's going to be my teacher, or anyone who's going to be in formal ministry, anyone 
would come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Oh, that's so easy, isn't it? (laughs) And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We were bought with a price. Therefore, we are called to glorify God in our bodies. And so these things that we've talked about today, they're not easy. We're not naturally going to want to open up and study God's word. But as the spirit moves in us, we love it. So I encourage you to memorize that. And then (laughs) read Matthew 16. Spend some time dwelling on these. I added verse 26 to this. I made it a little bit easier for you to memorize than for memorization. But spend some time dwelling on verse 26 as well. It says this. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so I want you to consider these things. Don't just memorize it, but dwell on these three verses. What is it calling you to? Sometimes we make it so easy as pastors to say, hey, if you just believe in Jesus, he'll save you and you'll live happily ever after. That's not what Jesus said. He said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself. Take up your cross daily. What does that mean? It means you must die to yourself daily, what you want, and follow after him. The call to be a disciple maker is it's not something you can just press aside and leave it for the stronger, smarter people. This is the call for all of us because we're called to deny ourselves. Thirdly there, make a plan. Make a plan. This is my encouragement. Do you have some kind of reading plan through scripture? We're reading through the Bible in a year. How are you doing with that? Maybe for you the best thing to do is just like maybe take 1 John, for instance. And you're just going to read 1 John for a while. Read it slowly. This is not about quantity. This is about quality time where you're just asking the Lord. And listen, do we need the Holy Spirit to understand Scripture? Yes, we do. So we seek the Lord in prayers. We're reading through it. We ask questions. Lord, what does this mean? God's given us community. We go to other people and say, hey, do you understand what this means? There are times where I'm like, I don't know what it means. And i got to go deeper into it. But if we're not in the scriptures, we don't know the promises that he's given us. We don't know the encouragement to give others. And we're going to stagnate as believers. So make some kind of plan. And if you need help, humble yourself. There's nothing wrong with saying, I need a plan. I don't know what to do. There's nothing wrong with that. And then the last thing there. Send encouragement. Send encouragement. Can you think of people this morning who have been a major encouragement to you? I encourage you, don't waste any time. Send a text. Even better, a lost art that I don't want to get into more to as well as write a letter. Send a thank you card in the mail. You know what that is? You get a, one of those stamp thingies, put it on it, send it off. I think our world could use a lot more of that. Because I think there's far more people who are discouraged often than we realize. Where we can become so internalized with our struggles that we fail to look outside. We put up the shell. We don't want to let anybody in. But when we open our lives up and say we need help, we're also opening up an opportunity for somebody to encourage you. And that serves both people. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for... The call that you've given us as disciples. And Lord, none of us are nailing it. None of us are experts here. None of us are thriving in every sense of the word. But God, you have still called us to do these things, Lord. I pray that you would make us deep students of your word, God. That you give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. That we couldn't get enough. Lord, that we would be reminded of the community that you've given us. Lord, that we would 
dive into it, that we'd be connected to one another, Lord. Father, remind us of the call to be disciple makers. And Lord, that can be as simple as just being an encouragement to sharing the truth of God's word. Father, keep us from leaving these things to other, for other people to do, Lord. Remind us of the power that dwells within us through your spirit. Nothing of us, but through your spirit, Lord. And through your spirit, 12 men changed the world. God, there's far more than 12 here. What could we do in our community if we understand the call to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow after you, God, when we truly live that out, what kind of difference can we make in a lost world? God, we need you in this, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more thing for us this morning, I want to invite Brad and Jen McCohen to come on up, as well as Bethany and Jeremy Lechleitner. Why don't you guys come up and join them as well. So you guys know Brad and Jen, right? Remember them? So Brad and Jen, they're in Indy. You guys come over here. There's more room over here. Um, can we get, you got the mic. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> so they moved in January to start putting together a core team to plant a church in the heart of Indy. We're going to hear from him in a minute. The reason I had the Leck Lightners up is because uh, I'm not sure if I'm mad or happy uh, about this. <laughs> But God has called them to join the McCohens um, in the process of planning a church. So this is the Luck Lightner's last Sunday here. Uh, and let, you can, you're free to come back whenever, okay? Like if, if you get tired of Brad. I know you won't get tired of Jen, but if you get tired of Brad. Um, uh, but, but Jeremy and Bethany have been faithful, faithful people to our church. Amen. They've, you've been here since launch, right? Since launch, you guys have faithfully served over and over again. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think, I think next week I'm going to come in, like, where's, where's Bethany? And uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that. Uh, it's kind of like snuck up on me, just like when you guys moved. But I just wanted Brad to come kind of share what God is doing so that we can be continually praying. We are the sending church for them. And so uh, we should take that responsibility and really make it heavy on our hearts that we understand that we are called to pray and to lift them up and to encourage them. Um, and so, Brad, I, I don't even know if everybody knows your church name. Uh, so you have a church name. Why don't you share that? And why don't you just give us a little bit of backstory about that, about the church name? Yeah, so the name of the church we're planning in Indy is Mercy Hill Chapel. Um, and it's simple. It was the last one not taken in the phone book. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we don't even use phone books anymore. <laughs> Say, what's a phone book? Yeah. No, um, so John 15, 13, uh, greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. The greatest act of love, which is mercy, uh, that was ever displayed was displayed on the hill on which Christ died. And we want to build a community in Indy that displays that mercy to our community. Um, yeah, it's, it's desperately needed there. And uh, so that's just a small backstory. It wasn't super theological. It's just, man... The greatest act of mercy that ever took place took place on that hill where Christ died. Awesome. And so we want to display it. Awesome. Why don't you give us uh, then an update of what's transpired over these last uh, few months, where you're at today, and how we can best be praying for you guys. And I'm going to invite, can I invite Aaron and Mark to come on? Why don't you guys just come up here now? I'm going to have them pray a little bit. But just give us an update, a couple things about what's going on. I'd love for you to share the, the story about the guy that you talked with. Yeah. Um, and then just how can we be praying for you moving forward? 
Great. Um, so uh, I've had two prayers since we got to Indy, because we got to Indy, and it was Jen and I. We had a church of four people. It was uh, us two and our two kids. Um, so we were like hopping. Uh, and uh, we're not a church yet. We're still in building phase. But uh, uh, when we got there, my prayer for mo- several months was, God, don't let us plant a church without seeing people come to Christ. Uh, we do not want to plant a church that just shuffles the deck. We don't want Christians coming to our church from other churches, and then in two months they're going to leave to the next church because the next church is the hopping thing. We want to add cards to that deck. We want to plant a church because people are coming to Christ, and they need a place to worship and do community together. And uh, so uh, several months in, God was quick to answer that prayer. I met a guy. Uh, he asked me if I would start a formal discipleship thing with him uh, because he had been coming to church for a while. And so I was like, that's great. Tell me your testimony. And his testimony went uh, paraphrasing something like this. Well, uh, I knew I needed to go to church, so I went to church because I wanted to be in church, so I was at church. (laughs) That's a great story about church. Um, Tell me about when you repented, when you recognized you were a sinner, you needed a savior, you were separated from God, and you needed somebody to remedy that for you because you couldn't. And when you found Christ and his eyes got big. We're sitting in Starbucks, and he just gets these big, wide eyes. I've never done that. It's like, man, that's a testimony. I, I used the Boston Marathon. I said, you're trying to run the Boston Marathon, and you came in halfway through the race thinking you're going to get to cross that finish line and get a prize. Mm-hmm. You, you started at the wrong point. Church isn't it. And he, he just wrote, man, can I do that now? Mm-hmm. So in Starbucks on April 6th, you guys gained another brother in Christ. Um, I was able to walk him across the line of faith, and then I was able to baptize him uh, two weeks later, and I just, that was God's faithfulness displayed. My prayer was, God, I don't want to plan it without seeing people come to Jesus, and I felt like that was God's affirmation. I have called you to this work. Keep going, um, and that was good. We, uh, uh, the last update that we have, which was big, we had our first vision night. We have three partner churches down in Indy who all said, hey, we want to commend you to our people and invite them to join you in this church planting work. Um, three days before our vision night, it looked like it was going to be me, my Bible, and 100 cookies, and I was going to eat every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we had six people registered for a room that seats 50, and I'm like, Lord, this is going to tank us. Um, we had 48 adults show up and seven kids. We packed out a 50-person room with 56 people um, or 55 people. It was huge. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was God-glorifying. And that was God's work to, again, just affirm. We had a lot of commitments come out of that. I say we need prayers, senders, and goers. We need people backing us in prayer, people financially sending us, and we need people to go join us. And God brought all three to that vision meeting, and that was just another huge affirmation. So that awesome. was good. Very good. And then tonight you guys got to get back, right? You got to. Tonight we go back. Uh, as soon as we get back to Indy, we have to make sure our house smells good, and we have a bunch of people coming for a fellowship night uh, because we begin core team meetings uh, the fifth of June, and so tonight's a fellowship night just for people to start building relationships. Okay. So pray for. You said three things. You're praying for prayers, senders, and goers. Is that right? Prayers, senders, and goers. Those okay. are the things we need. Yep. Awesome. So, I mean, planting a church is not an easy thing. Um, Praise God for the fellowship of other churches who are coming alongside. This is not just one church. This is multiple churches coming to to send. I think that's an awesome thing. Well, we we wanted to...
do this, what, uh, like two, three months ago. You guys got sick that morning. <laughs> um, and so we were finally able to get you guys back. But it, it was work, working great for the Luck Lightners last Sunday. Uh, but I just love for us to pray over them. So let me invite you all to stand. If you know them especially, you want to come up here and be, come alongside them, please, I welcome you to feel free to come upside, alongside them. And we're going to have Mark and Aaron just kind of close this thing out in prayer. Pray with me. Lord, your word says that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. God, your word also says that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so, Lord, now I just pray over the McCohens, their family. I pray over Mercy Hill Church. Lord, may they not build your church in vain. May everything they do be centered on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And God, we know that there's active resistance towards that building. And so I pray now, Lord, that you would bind the powers, the spiritual forces of darkness that would try to prevail against them, that you would be actively moving in their lives, that you would keep them free from sin, that you would encourage them by the power of your Holy Spirit as they read your word and taste that and see that the Lord is good. God, would you strengthen their marriage? Would you help them to have a God-glorifying marriage that would just bring you glory and honor and be a great beacon of light? Would you strengthen it, Lord, protect it, guide it? <clears throat> because we know, again, that the enemy seeks to destroy. And God, I pray for that plentiful harvest. I pray that you would be actively moving in the hearts of the people. We know that we can do nothing but preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but only you can bring the growth. So I pray that they would not grow weary doing good, that they would plant and water, but Lord, I beg you for growth. And I pray that their ministry would be centered on Christ and God, that you would transform the Indy area with the gospel of Jesus Christ through Brad and Jen McCohen and Mars Hill, Mercy Hill Church. Father, we're so grateful <clears throat> that you use people like us to do your work. We're privileged and um, we're privileged to know the Lecklitners and Bethany and Jeremy. And Lord, we've been able to serve with them for several years and to see their um, selfless acts of service has been amazing. It has been uh, an example and an inspiration to all of us. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on them individually. I pray that you would grow their marriage together. I pray that as they leave this place, that they would see how big you are and they recognize that you have a plan for them down in Indy. So I pray that they would not grow discouraged. I pray that they would be able to connect with uh, some new friends. And uh, that you would, they would just be able to see you meet their needs in very practical ways. So Lord, would you put your hand on them, grow them to be more like you. And uh, again, we thank you for them. We thank you again, for the work that you have done in our own hearts, that we could stand here 
and have a relationship with you is just an amazing thing. What a good God you are. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for hanging out a little bit later. Keep praying for the McCohens and for the Lechleitners as they do this thing. Uh, have a great week. Remember, you guys are headed to the mission field. And so be the salt and light. Love you guys.